Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is TIA Technovations with my friend Tom Curie. TIA stands for Transportation Intermediaries Association, which is the trusted voice for third-party logistics companies of all sizes. Tom is the founder and president of QED, that's Q-U-E-D, a freight technology company focused on workflow automation, and he also serves as the TIA Technology Committee Chairman. I met Tom at TIA in San Diego, a fantastic event. If you are a broker or 3PL, you need to join TIA. They will help you grow your biz. Please check out my conversation with Tom Curie. How's it going, Tom? Great, Joe. How are you today? Doing great, doing great. Tom, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Tom Curie. I am the president of Qed. We are a workflow automation company that has been spun up here in this last year. And I am based out of the Cincinnati area. So I'm calling you from a cold Cincinnati, Ohio today, Joe. Oh, that's not so bad out there. I, I tell this story. I was at Cincinnati just before the pandemic. And I'm in, I live in the Detroit area. I got in the car after a day of work to drive home. It's five hours. Not that bad. And I think it dropped 30 degrees in my five hours. Now, I know it got colder in Cincinnati <laughs> that day. But I remember thinking... I got a buddy who left Detroit and he lives in Cincinnati. He goes, I can never come back. He goes, because it's not way better, but it's better enough weather-wise. <laughs> <laughs> Just enough. So you mentioned Qed, and that is, it sounds like Q, it sounds like C-U-E, a Q, a stick, pool stick, but it's Qed, Q-U-E-D, Q-U-E-D. Now, what do you guys do at Qed? We're focused on workflow automation solutions, and our primary focus has been around building connectivity to the various appointment scheduling platforms that exist so that we can streamline the appointment scheduling process for 3PLs, carriers all over the nation. So let's just say I have a transportation management system, and I'm working with a shipper that I'm shipping to their location. Where do you fit in that? Yeah, so what we do is we build a connection between the TMS and the scheduling platform. So say you're using a scheduling platform like OpenDoc and you have to go in, you have to log in, you have to select the location, you have to put in all your PO details, everything like that. What we do is we integrate within your team's workflow so that you can actually do the call out for that appointment instantly from your TMS. You don't have to go log in somewhere else. You don't have to manage all these passwords. And everyone's got this screen fatigue from having to be in all these different screens and all these different logins. We remove a lot of that and we just allow you to do it right from the workflow that your team's doing today and just automatically go out and get that appointment. So what problem would you say that you solve? So we solve the problem of, there's there's a couple of different ways that we look at this. There's the problem that we solve today and the problem that we'll continue to solve into the future. We've done a great thing of being able to actually get a little bit more visibility into the space, uh, but we're going to help these this visibility go beyond just what's in a TMS and get it throughout the supply chain. So if you think about an appointment that you may have today, it's one thing to have that appointment scheduled, but it's another thing to know, is the driver going to be there when the appointment's supposed to be ready to go? And if they're not, how can we help these locations better allocate labor for shifting tides. Things happen. Things happen in transportation. That's why we all have jobs in this environment, right? And so what we're going to be able to do is help facilitate some things like an appointment handoff where, okay, maybe this uh, piece of equipment isn't going to be there on time, but this other piece of equipment is already available now. Let's go ahead and do an appointment swap where that truck can be unloaded today. We can cut out some waste within the supply chain and then allow things to continue to move move more swiftly throughout the, the industry. And Tom, we for the last, I don't know, three, four, five years, we've been talking a lot about visibility. And I don't think that is, I don't think that conversation's ended yet. But I think what's been added to that conversation is, I don't want visibility so I can watch that train wreck. I want to be able to prevent that train wreck, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. And that means we want to be able to collaborate in real time. So I don't want to have visibility for the sake of visibility. I want to be able to say, yeah, I see there's a truck sitting in the parking lot that's been there for two hours. We're going to start running into detention time. And this guy who was supposed to be here 30 minutes ago isn't anywhere near us. To your point, let's swap appointments. And if we can be, again, and I think also part of all of this is, and I say this all the time, how horribly disrespectful it is to me that we let somebody drive all day to sit in a damn parking lot and wait to be unloaded. I said it before to you when we were talking on the phone. It's painful. Joe, I think I had shared with you that years ago, I ran a driver retention program. I was a driver retention manager and was helping a fleet of owner operators to try to come just to combat the turnover that they dealt with. And one of the things that I did was uh, I hopped in a truck and lived in a truck with a guy for six days to see firsthand. We talked a few weeks ago yeah. and we were talking about that. Go, please go on. Yeah. And that, and that changes your perspective for the experience that they have when you actually, when you're sleeping on a bunk and you're living down the road with somebody for six days, it gives you a completely different perspective. And so the waste that exists in these dwell time battles it hurts so many people within the supply chain. And so if we can find a way to drive some efficiency, it makes it better, not just for the carrier, but for the 3PL, for the receivers, for the, the dock workers, all these different people that are engaged, they have a better experience. And at this point, we have the visibility. We're just not sharing the visibility. And so we think that we've got a great neutral ground where we're at to be able to work with all these different parties and uh, bring some uh, efficiencies there as well. Yeah. Years ago, I was talking to a large shipper and I said, it's not good that you have people sitting out here waiting to unload. And he said, no, I know, but what are we going to do? I said, we got to plan better. So we did get an appointment scheduling, but I'm not paid close attention, but I would say that appointment scheduling was a step up. But it wasn't a 100% solution. By the way, it stands the same as TMS. When we got a TMS, everyone's that's it. That's the silver bullet. Life is going to be easy from now on. And what it did is it did solve a lot of problems and continues. It raised the bar and it gave us higher expectations about what was possible. I think our doc scheduling softwares, and you mentioned OpenDoc and Jeff Booth, they've done some great things, but we need that. I don't want to log into an appointment scheduling and a TMS, and then maybe I've got to go to another screen to check out and see if my carriers the right got the right licensing. We got to get away from all the screens. It is so normal to see a broker, a three PL with two, even three screens open. It, that multitasking is a hard way to live. It task. It's not good for the brain. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why. For us, we really build within the workflow of what the team members are doing. And if you do that, you get the user adoption. And I know we'll probably talk about user adoption as we talk about technologies that exist out there, but it's just an important part. And then when you can allow them to live in the TMS, they can focus on the work that they're doing. You're going to get much more out of the team that is actually there. They can do the things they need to quicker and they can focus on the more important tasks as they continue to go on with their busy days. So if I was to, let me put it in layman's terms, and you can correct me, you're, you're the connector between these dock scheduling systems and the transportation management system. So you work, help it, the appointment scheduling work seamlessly within the transportation management world. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. We bring all those parties together. We're a neutral ground. We are not a, we're not a scheduling platform. And we are not a TMS. And so we have the unique positioning to be able to bring both of those together and uh, link them up so that the users can get the benefit of what they want. And then also the scheduling systems, they don't have to connect with multiple different carriers. They connect directly with Qt, and then we're able to connect them to um, many different players in the yeah. market. Yeah. And as I was talking about the appointment scheduling, like um, one of my customers had gotten we thought this is cool. We got a TMS, we got this. And then I was talking to a driver and he said, when I asked what do drivers want, he says, we just want to be loaded on time and unloaded on time. So I was, so there's a lot of other things we've talked about, which is we need a driver's lounge. 
yes, that's a nice to have for sure. That might come in real handy if the guy's got some downtime after he delivers or if it's going to take two hours to unload. But maybe he has hours and now you're making him sit in the parking lot because your appointment scheduling is screwed up and he could have swapped out. So we think about, oh, and by the way, one of my customers said, I'm going to give him a gift card so they go down to the truck stop and have lunch on us while you wait. That's a nice thing to have if you have to be late, but better yet, don't be late. Don't wait. <laughs> right. So we, so I think getting back to it, what drivers want, unload me on time, load me on time. And I think we're this is not going to solve the whole problem, but we've seen since the ELD mandate, more drop and hook loads, right? Yep, absolutely. And that has been helpful. By the way, please explain what drop and hooks is for my customers, uh, for my listeners who don't always do that. <laughs> yeah, so we we did a lot of drop and hooks. So I've I've been in the industry for about 18 years or so. And drop and hook, when you're able to drop a trailer as opposed to waiting for someone to live unload or load that trailer, the drop and hook game is such a great spot to be because you are able to keep these units running they're not waiting around for a truck to get loaded. They're able to come right in, hook up to the trailer that's already been loaded for them. And take so they off. can plan their day. Yeah, they can plan their day and keep things moving. They don't have to sit around. Imagine sitting around in a parking lot for two hours. That doesn't sound fun. I think somebody get, shared with me some stats. And I think the difference with a drop and hook where I just drop or just get hooked up is 30 minutes for that or a live unload or a live load being almost three hours. Yeah. And in, in drop and hook, the difference is it's that's 30 minutes of doing something. It's not 30 minutes of sitting there and waiting. You are active. Like you are, you're actually engaging in that process. And so because of that, it makes a world of difference in just the experience that driver is having at your facility. So yeah, dro- look in, in drop and hook that's continued to expand, especially even 3PLs now, many of them have built in the lease trailers or they have trailer programs that they've created, which are, it's really making that even more of a viable option for a lot of companies yep. out there. We got it. And I know Qt is all about that. And I know Drop and Hook is all about that. We've made some strides towards keeping drivers driving because that's what they want to do. That's what they're paid to do. They aren't paid to sit and wait. They are paid to walk around looking for someone to sign their paperwork. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Anyway, Tom, I met you about a month ago, month and a half ago now, at TIA Technovations. So please explain, first off, what is TIA and then what is Technovations? Yeah. So the TIA organization, um, where what we do is we connect uh, the 3PL What's industry- the Transportation Intermediaries Association. And so that organization does a phenomenal job. They, they have a lot of different arms to what they do. One of the things that we were both there experiencing is really a part of their education arm in the Technovations Conference. And so I've had the, the pleasure to serve the last several years as the chairman of the TIA Technology Committee. And that committee is built with just some of the best and the brightest. So thankful to have been able to work with that group where what they would do is they would come together and plan this conference from beginning to end. These are three PLs, uh, brokerages that are building a, a conference for other three PLs and brokerages, right? It, we make sure to highlight the, the things in technology that are important to them help them become better equipped, help them understand more, and just build this phenomenal network of people. And being able to be engaged there has been great for me for several reasons. But but the Technovations Conference, it was, it was definitely a, a great conference that we were able to be at. Yep. And by the way, being in San Diego is not the end of the world. I know. <laughs> it's No, it wasn't. It's beautiful in Cincinnati and in Detroit in October. But San Diego's got some good things going on too. Yeah. And by the way, we should also mention, I, I interviewed Ann Ranke not so long ago about her trip. They were going to, again, Transportation Intermediaries Association going to meet with our legislators in Washington, D.C. So TIA went and talked about a lot of the problems we had, including a lot of the double brokering and the freight fraud. They were going to 
talk to Washington and see what we can do to make some changes. So this is an organization that really has our back. And so they, the pulse of the community and what's going on. And when, by the way, I talked to Anne about a lot of things, the state of freight, but one of them was freight fraud, which is high on TIA's list of how do we solve this? They had this technovations, obviously talking about tech technology. Um, I wrote down a few points that we wanted to talk about related to it. So the first one uh, was AI and ML. Tom, take it away. Tell us about artificial intelligence and machine learning. Yeah, I think one of the one of the good conversations that we were able to have, you know, there's a lot of companies talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning and even deep learning and how do all these things play and who's actually doing something with them? Is it just a theory? There's a lot of conversations there, but I thought one of the more meaningful things that we really tried to bring to the forefront was the idea of AI readiness. Um, there's a lot of people that want to do things with AI and rightfully so there's great things that are starting to happen there. There's some great tools that are leaning into this, but you have to understand that to be able to properly leverage AI in your business, it's all about the data that you are feeding into it and enough. There's not enough people talking about readiness. I can remember <clears throat> years ago, I was with a 3PL and we were really starting to get into the analytics side. And the first six months was cleanup. That's all we did. We were looking at data. We were cleaning up data. We were cleaning up location data. We were cleaning up shipment data. We were cleaning up visibility data. If you think about it, Joe, if you had a facility in your TMS today, okay, and that facility was the Mississippi Banana Manufacturing Plant, how many ways would Mississippi banana manufacturing be spelled differently to have that location in your team? You probably have 400 locations yes. where someone, you know, someone's keying something in. And so when you start talking about trying to feed data into these algorithms, you have to have your data ready to be able to receive, to be able to make a calculation. Because if you give it 800 different locations, but it's really two locations, they're just entered differently or they're not the same. That, that's a challenge. And I think this idea of readiness and just trying to help people think through where are some of my data challenges to start focusing on so that you can be ready for these solutions or you are ready for, to start building solutions like this in the space. Yes, you are so right, Tom. And the whole time you're talking about that, all I can think about is Tom is talking about dirty data and we've all experienced this. And it reminds me when I was still at a 3PL and also when I was consulting at 3PL, I heard this a million times. I would always say, I like at the end of the week, my 3PL, when I was running a 3PL, it was me. But I, when I was advising other shippers, I would say, I want them to give you this scorecard. It was a carrier scorecard with performance. And then you're, you know what I'm going to say, Tom. They would say, we don't need to create it that way. We can do that automatically from our system. And I quickly say, no, you can't. And the reason <laughs> is not because of the TMS, is because the data in the system is incomplete. And it's also, Tom, it's also, it's subjective sometimes. Because I, I go in and I say, I got to run this report. And I go, oh, gosh, this it doesn't say when this delivered. Well, it's supposed to deliver by the first. I will say it delivered on the first. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? And so when I'm capable of putting in subjective data that is beneficial to me, I'm going to do that. And by the way, not everybody's trying to get a cheat. It's just, if I'm going to put data in, I'm going to put it, That's I'm going to assume I did the right thing. We normally do. And that's the problem. So for years, I've heard PM, people say, our TMS will do that. Yes, the TMS will, but the data within the TMS won't. <laughs> and that's, that's no. the same thing. Magnifying that with if you are really, and this is a good conversation when it comes to automating some workflow solutions, because if there's manual tasks that people are still having to do, then you're always going to run the risk of this dirty data. You're going to run that risk. And so anything that we can do to streamline those processes, it makes it better not only for your customers because they have clean data, but it makes it better for the users. No user says, hey, I'd really love to spend all of my day punching all this in. Why do you think salespeople are so bad at updating CRMs? Because they don't want to, they don't mind doing the work 
It's just they don't want to have to type all the work into the right. system so that you know what they did. And so that's anything that we can do to help make that easier for users. It'll end up becoming cleaner data, which will be better data for our industry to make some real decisions based off of some of this AI that'll be coming for years to come. And I think about this is, let's just say I have a thousand records, right? A thousand data points. I say, some of them I know I had to tweak, right? They were touched, they were manually. So they're not objective data, it's just subjective data. And now I'm going to use that data to predict the future using AI. <laughs> I'm basically I'm magnifying my errors using this data at that point. So we do absolutely clean up our act. Yeah. So by the way, I should also mention the setup of TIA. We were in downtown San Diego, right on the, right on the water. The marina's right there. So beautiful area. But we the the event was in the hotel and. There was a whole bunch of, I'll call them booths or kiosks, very nicely set up. But then right next to it was presentation areas. And I saw an int very interesting uh, speech. I forgot who gave it on AI. So there were some experts speaking on it and talking about some wonderful things and some sketchy things that AI can do for us. And in the right hands, this is a great tool. But in the wrong hands, in uninformed hands, it is sketchy. <laughs> Yeah. And that's why from the perspective of those involved with the TIA technology committee, we want to expose people to what we possibly can, the dangers, the pitfalls and those success stories. Right. If, and if we can give you a well-rounded view of what is happening in our industry and some of the things that we're seeing in ways that you can start preparing now, you can be in such a better position than if you weren't there and you weren't hearing these things, you weren't getting yourself positioned well to be able to take advantage of these new technologies that are going to continue to hit our industry. Yep. By the way, in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to a white paper that Green Screens, by the way, Green Screens was one of the exhibitors at TIA. Green Screens is dynamic pricing platform. They created a white paper for laymen on AI and ML. I saw it yesterday. So I'm going to put that in the show notes. It's great. And I think we all need to... Look, we're not all going to be doing the program. We're not all going to be using AI and ML, but I think it's important that we be able to speak relatively knowledgeably about this stuff because it is coming. So you might hope that you can hide from it, but it's coming. We're seeing it. And by the way, companies like Green Screens are using it. So it's not it's not like it's futuristic. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, AI has been around since the 50s. So it's not a new idea. The the thing that's changed is. Joe, you probably remember, I can remember 10 years ago sitting at conferences and the big conversation then was big data. And this is the result of big data uh, because we've been able to aggregate and build these just massive data sources. Now we can mine them properly with some of these resources. Now it's got to be good, clean data and all those things, but that's where we're going to see and we'll continue to see leading companies use these. Things. Yeah. I read a book years ago and it was called AI superpowers and it's about basically about China and the U.S., the main countries that were doing AI at that one minute, basically eight or nine large companies. But what was interesting about it is the author said, you need three things to do use AI. First off, you need tons of data. We've always had data, but it was literally in file cabinets. And it, so it wasn't accessible. And so I might have 20 million data points. It just wasn't accessible. Then for late for years, it was stuck on servers. So having it, not that useful, but we also needed powerful computers to be able to do the number crunching. We have that now. That's not, Computing power isn't a problem. And then the last thing is algorithms. We know how to write those algorithms, but I suspect we're getting better every day at it. So we have all these elements and now we just we're going to be we're going to be doing this for a while. We've been doing the data cleanup for a long time. Tom, the dirty data, maybe when you're done fixing all the appointment thing, you can make some another business <laughs> cleaning up all the dirty data in our space. So there was so much technology talk at the conference. And by the way, I think a lot of I watched a lot of people talk. First off, there's the booths which were great, the, the kiosks but then everybody seemed to get up and give a speech, a seven-minute speech. I think every exhibitor did, and it was 
very enlightening because seven minutes, it's not really a sales pitch. It's here's the problems we solve. And I saw Descartes do it. Descartes do it. I saw, I think, green screens. I saw Project 44. I saw Denim. I saw a whole bunch of people get up. I saw Triumph Pay. Very impressive. And it was a great format for just soaking it in. Because seven minutes, we can all pay attention for seven minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, that's the hope is that when we build that conference, we're going to touch a lot of different member companies, right? You're going to have multi-billion dollar 3PLs that may be there. And you may have a brand new 3PL sitting right next to you. And the goal for us is exposure, right? We want to be able to expose them to all that this industry really has to offer for their business to help support them. And those people will come to that and they may listen to 20 different uh, demos that get got a quick rapid fire demo that gets thrown out to them. And then they can say, okay, I need to go have a, a further discussion with these guys over at the kiosk. And that's some of the stuff that we hope that that conference is intended. I always tell, we, we have multiple customers at that conference. We have the member companies who are coming to learn and grow and, and gain exposure. And we have the uh, vendors that are coming and they're presenting what they're doing. If we can get those two customer groups to both exude value from that, then it's a win for everybody, were, right? We are all there. Away and it's valuable. Yeah, it's, it's valuable. And so had a great turnout for that. And uh, I'm really proud of the work that that team has done to put on just a, a phenomenal conference for the industry. Yep. So Tom, talk for a minute, if you would, about the role of technology today, because I think it's changed a little bit since the the go days of the pandemic. I think everyone's getting a little, uh, little, little sobering right now where uh, the champagne bottle stopped getting uncorked. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a few different viewpoints that you can have at this point, right? What we see with the customers that we work with, customers who are preparing for the next cycle, they are the companies who are leaning in, they're finding different ways to become efficient during this time. So that when they hit that next wave, that next cycle, they're not just throwing bodies at some of these problems. It's difficult to hire and retain really good talent. And across our industry, we've heard that time and time again and the challenges that come with that. And so for us, we see that technology is an enabler to be able to say, we're going to allow you to scale at a more rapid pace than maybe you've done historically. I worked with a 3PL that, you know, originally their revenue per head was probably around $800,000 per head. And we really spent a lot of time building in automation, workflow solutions, and really built out how we manage freight and how we do things. And by the time I, I had completed my time there, we were over $2 million per head because of how efficient we had gotten in the way that we worked and handled that business. And I think what's changed in that landscape is back in the day, Joe, we'd say, we got a TMS, we fixed it, right? That's exactly what we would do. And there was a lot of expectations around that. I think now, not only has the industry welcomed, but even the TMS organizations who built these robust pieces of software to help us run this thing, they have embraced all of these additional add-on components to be able to help their customers bolster by saying, okay, you know what? Yeah, we do this, but there's this other provider that does an excellent job. Let's bolt them into the TMS so that you guys can move at a quicker pace. And so they've embraced all of these other partners in such a way that it's really helping people to quickly grab. Back in the day, it was that technology existed for the people who had developers that were on staff who were sitting there and writing code all day long. It just it's completely changed the game for your ability to scale and grow your business because you've got access to a lot of tools right there. Yeah. And by the way, every transportation management system now is, I almost look at transportation management systems like I look at WordPress. WordPress is the framework and you can always have a new plugin. And I think, by the way, I should mention at the conference, I saw, I talked to Ty, Mitch was there from Ty Software. Some of the McLeod guys were there in force. A lot of, they had their own booth. Was it Renov Revanova? Yep. I'm going to have them on the podcast soon. That's a TMS I had never heard of. And by the way, a lot of people are using it. Very well thought of. So we saw 
all sorts of transportation management systems. And by the way, they're talking to the people like green screens, they're talking to debt. So that you start to realize that all these companies are all interconnected now. And that used to be a whole bunch of standalone platforms. And again, it gets back to, do we want every broker in 3PL to have to sit at their desk with three screens open all the time? Or do we want to integrate them? Yeah, I think the focus on the user experience has been so welcome for our industry to be able to really lean in and say, how do how do our users feel about the technology they have today? And how can we improve that for them so that they have a better experience when they come in and they're working at that desk or they're in that truck or whoever that may that user may be? How do we make a better experience yep. for them? Yep. Oh, and speaking of which, I should also mention a lot. I saw a lot of people there talking to trucker tools. I saw a lot of people talking to Highway. Highway was pretty busy because they solved some of this freight fraud and uh, double brokering. And again, these systems all are looking to connect uh, to your transportation management systems in a way that's seamless, just like Qt is trying to do with, uh, well, is doing with, not asking you to log into another system. Again, I think what we're all getting is a little fatigued with the idea that I, I, I have to have 35 different passwords to work every day. And by the way, I I can tell you, I used uh, ChatGPT and I actually went ahead and bought the $9 version because I'm fancy. I can't log into it, but I've had it for months. They constantly tell me my password's wrong. I'll create a new one and it'll tell me it's wrong right after I use it. I was thinking, this is like torture. I just wanted ChatGPT to make my life easier. It's, I'll never, I don't know if I can even unsubscribe at this moment. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think another thing I would say about the technology today, I think a lot of companies are looking to do more with less. So they might have invested in transportation management system years ago, then they've got some other systems. I think now they're looking and saying, okay, what really has an ROI? What really can I get out of this? And I think we have all been involved with technology projects that we implemented at 60%, but the ROI is at 80%. And We've got to get in the mode of fully implementing, and we have to make these implementations easier, the integrations easier. So we can actually say, yes, I made that investment, and I'm seeing a return on that investment in a very reasonable time. And I think people are much more focused on that as margins are down, sales are a little harder to come by. Yeah. And I think you have to be. I think that a lot of people would ask me, hey, Tom, if I was going to buy a piece of technology today, which piece would I buy? And I would tell people the one that you've already bought that's sitting on the shelf. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> it would just drive them nuts. But there's truth to it because sometimes we get so trigger happy to get that next shiny object, that next thing. And we don't focus on what is the user adoption for the product that we have right now? Are we using it? And you have to have an honest look at it and say, should I be using it? Should I have this piece of technology? We focus heavily on user adoption. It's the biggest, it's the most important thing for me. And we know that if the location is set up in our platform, the users are going to send it 97% of the time. So we know that the users engage. It's super simple for them to engage. You may have a piece of software right now that you find out, wait, my users are only using it 5% of the time or 10% of the time. You got to do something. You've got to make good on that investment. So many people worry about that investment right up front and they want an ROI before they buy the product. But then after they've bought the product, they don't evaluate their ROI. They forget about it. They forget about those conversations and you got to lean into it. I think we also, we get to a place where you said that implementation of whether it was new technology, new process, new customer onboarding, it's difficult and we do it for six weeks and then we just want to get back to our day job. And what we probably only said, we only implemented 60% of it. Go ahead. But you have another project that goes from 60 to 75%, then 75% to 90, and then get that ROI that you promised yourself and your boss last year. Yeah. And I think, Joe, I think some people get confused between implementation and installation. I think a lot of people install software but not a lot of people yep. implement software. By the way, before we hit record, I was noticing the barn wood that is your background. And that's very cool. You, you said you tore a barn down. And it reminds me when we talk about buying tools, someone who's very handy like yourself, I guarantee 
on your Christmas list this year. It has a whole bunch of tools that your wife or girlfriend is looking at and going, he has a hammer. He does not need another hammer. He has 30 of them. I'm fortunate, Joe. My wife wants projects done, so she'll buy any tool under the sun as long as I'll do the project. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> That's rare because most people want the tool, not the project. Anyway, so let's switch gears. So I want to talk a little bit about the value of the TIA membership. And by the way, this was my first TIA event. I had interviewed Ann Renke on my podcast, talked about the state of freight. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Ann is wonderful. She is the CEO over at TIA. I said this to you before we hit record. There's so many advantages uh, that I saw being there. First off, we all work remote today. And so we're all very efficient. I send emails, you send it back. And I think what we're missing is we're missing relationships. We're missing the social aspect of developing a business and also educating yourself. You can sit at your computer and watch YouTube videos and educate yourself. But do you? <laughs> I would suggest Absolutely. that you're better off to get on a plane or drive to an event. And again, I learned so much from being there, but also the relationships and the social proof. Tom, when I'm talking to you and now everyone's walking up and saying, hey, Tom, this, Tom, that, you start to realize, oh, this guy is valued. He's part of TIA. He's on the technology. I don't know what you guys call it. Committee. You're good. <laughs> you're on the technology committee that is social proof but also it's a relationship that i wouldn't have otherwise i meet a lot of people but i meet a lot of people at these conferences and you take their cards you meet them and you talk to them have a drink with them wander around the conference and then hopefully it's a relationship that that is valuable to you and the other person and that's and it's huge joe i you can't give enough credit to the networking capability that comes through the TIA. There are mentors that I've looked up to in this industry since I've been in it from an early age. And to be able to see their growth and what they've done and be able to learn from these leaders, uh, a lot of people will say, get frustrated and they'll say, I, you know what, I look at work and I don't have a boss that I look up to, or I don't have a mentor at work. There, this industry can really open up so many different people to you. If you're willing to engage, and I've been blown away at the support that I've been able to find through the TI and its group. A good example, and I tell you, this has happened to me today. We were hosting a regional TIA event here in Cincinnati not too long ago. And there's a, a very young organization. They've got some trucks and they're doing some 3PL work now. They had reached out to me and said, hey, can you help us? Can you tell us some of the things we should do? And I said, hey, you should come to this Cincinnati regional event for the TIA. You need to learn who the TIA is and get involved with it. And they came and they just got a ton of information. They could not believe how much was there and how welcoming everyone was. I got a text from them today because they were looking at technology. They said, do you know anything that does this? I sent them three <laughs> ideas and sent it right back to them within 30 seconds. And they said, wow. And that is the power of that network to be able to come together with other industry professionals, be able to learn from each other. Look, we it, it, it's a competitive environment. So it's amazing to be able to bring people together and see as much collaboration that really exists within our industry. I, I know we all say we compete, but so often it's not really. So someone might look at you and go, oh, appointment schedule, you compete with Jeff Booth and Open Doc. You're like, no, <laughs> we collaborate. Nope, not we at all. We don't compete at all. But we generalize. And by the way, it occurred to me when I was walking around TIA, if I wanted to start a 3PL, I could walk around and say, I'm going to go pick out a TMS from there. I, there's, again, we had, what do you call Renova? There's, there's Revanova. Yep. Mm -hmm. We also had um, Cloud was there. That might be a lot for a, a big company. But um I saw one other, we saw Ty there. So we have all of these software companies that are there, but also I saw a Denim that does factoring. We saw Triumph Pay that does the banking on the hot, for larger companies. We saw so many, we've got, again, Jordan Graft and the highway. All the solutions you need to start a company is right there. If you've got a problem, the solution is probably at TIA. And again, I think more importantly, 
now more than ever is this we all work remotely we got to get out we got to actually meet people. absolutely and by the way we talked to the other day on the well, a few weeks ago on the phone you were driving home from chattanooga because you went to f3 and we talked on the phone for half an hour and we've gotten away from that and i'm trying to bring more phone calls back to the work because i think it's important Anyway, TIA, Transportation Intermediaries Association, the only problem with TIA is intermediaries. I can't say that all the time, but awesome (laughs) organization. Again, if you want to learn, if you want to network, if you want to build your business, this is the place. They will show you how. Next, Next event is Capital Ideas. That's April 10th through the 13th in Phoenix. So it's not, if you want to get involved, especially if you're in Phoenix and there's a lot of more freight brokers and more freight brokers and tech companies are in Phoenix than ever before. We have the Lettos out there with Emerge, but a lot of companies out there. Freight Vana's there too. Freight Vana's there. And we're expecting over 1,500 people at the conference in April. And if you haven't registered, tianet.org, you can get on there. You can register for the event. It'll be great. The CUDE team will be there as well. We're looking forward to seeing, they've got a great technology track that they're going to be doing some really fun things with, and they'll have some surprises up their sleeve for Capital Ideas. We're really looking forward to getting out in Phoenix and being out there to see everybody. If you are in the Northeast or the Midwest, like we are, it is still a little brisk in April and it is nice and warm in Phoenix. So get your get yourself <laughs> yes, out to Phoenix. <laughs> Next, I want to talk about Shark Tank. So I watched the Shark Tank at TIA. Tell us about it, Tom. Yeah, so Shark Tank has been a lot of fun for us. We've done this the last two years now. Or what we do is we're trying to highlight new innovative technologies that are coming into the space. And so what the, the technology committee does is they take applications from from these different companies that want to present through Shark Tank. We select four of those companies to then put in front of our panel. And that panel, they have this great experience where the the participating company will come, they'll do a five-minute pitch, and then there's about 10 minutes of Q&A from these sharks that ask them pointed questions about the product and where it's going and how do you monetize and all these things that really gives you a completely different perspective as, as a member company who's there attending and seeing what's happening there. We're super excited to see the team over at Vuma was awarded the winner of the Shark Tank. They uh, they had they are automating the order entry process for these manual tenders that you get in your email. We saw Text Locate who took the People's Choice Award from that, and then we had great presentations from VendorFlow and Sales CRM. Some really great things, innovative new ways of doing business. And these are companies that we think will continue to see and do a lot of great things in our industry. By the way, I know Ben Gordon was one of the sharks from Ben Gordon Strategic Advisors in Cambridge Capital. He's an investor in this space. So this is when you say sharks, these are not these are not this is not an academic exercise. Although there was one guy who was an academic, but I think he's also an investor. I've, Jim Kinney, John Robin, they ask great questions. And I do believe that these guys have all made investments in the, the transportation logistics space. So it's not, again, it's not it's for fun. And it's, but it's for business. They asked very good questions. And what I enjoyed about that was a few things. First off, and I'm not just saying this to be um, kind, every one of the presentations, I was like, oh, that, this is good. They're solving a problem that is there. And I don't think anyone would deny who sat through that, that these were all very legitimate companies. Absolutely. And then the questions and to see how people like Ben Gordon what how they're looking at the world was very insightful for me. I was like, ooh, why did he ask that? And then you're trying to figure it out. And I was thinking, this was a little longer than what you would see Shark Tank on TV, but it's also specific to our industry. I found that to be a very interesting um, event. Yeah, it's a ton of fun to do. And we always get great feedback from those who attend. And we're really thankful for the the companies that come and they they do a great job of really representing what they do. And We'll look forward to seeing next year and seeing how that goes to Tech Innovations this next year. I should also mention, and this is a smaller piece than all this, but I'm interviewing all four of those people who are were presenting. I'm interviewing you from meeting you at TI. I think I'm probably interviewing 
at least three, four, five other people that I met at TIA that I wouldn't otherwise have on my podcast. And my goal always is on the podcast is for you to make some favorable attention and ideally get some business from it. So I think that the relationships that you can build by being at these events is hard to calculate. It, you might go out there and say, I, this was a, I want a new customer and that's how all the, but it could be something that happens six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, a year later, because that's how relationships work. They don't work. They don't work like software. They work like humans. Let's wrap this bad boy up one more time. Tell us about Cued, your company. Yep. We're really excited. We launched Cued earlier this year. Um, we've, we were really proud of the development cycle of what we were able to do. We, we really put this team together, started building the team in May, started writing code in June, and we had our first set of customers live in August. So it was fast. And we are scheduling thousands of appointments completely automated now for our customers. And the whole goal for us, Joe, it's it's twofold. First, we've got to build the connections, right? We're building connections, good, solid API-driven connections to these different scheduling platforms. It makes it better for them. They don't have to build all these individual connections. They can build one through us and then we connect them to multiple people. And so that's a part of it. The other side of it is getting these smarter appointments where you know, you begin leveraging some of the historical data on what happens. And you may have a user that says, hey, I, I always want an 8 a.m. appointment. Give me that 8 a.m. Well, we might find out that the 8 a.m. typically has about a two and a half hour dwell time, whereas the 9 a.m. is only about an hour and 15 minutes. And so we may make recommendations to you to say, you know what? I know you always like 8 a.m., but 9 a.m. is actually the better appointment based off of the data that we have and we've learned. And that type of feedback is literally going to change the way that we look at the value of a load. I tell a lot of people, Joe, that um, appointments make or break a load. And not enough people, I think, have shouted that out. Um, but it is incredibly important because if you get a good appointment, then you've probably got a good load. But if you get a bad appointment, <laughs> everyone knows this is a bad load. It's not hard to figure that out. And so we're thankful that we've got our scheduler works around the clock 24 seven. And so we've got appointments that our system is going out and automatically scheduling at midnight, 2 a.m. We're seeing appointments come back confirmed and updated in TMSs and, uh, and being procured. And so we're really thankful to be able to bring this connection from TMSs with appointment scheduling systems and bring them directly to carriers and 3PLs. So who's your customer? Is it the transportation management system? Is it the broker 3PL or is it the appointment? Who pays you? <laughs> our customer is the carriers or the 3PL. Those are really our customers and they have the, the most to gain from this because it's the time, right? The time that they're currently spending. We know that it takes anywhere between seven to 15 minutes. Some of our customers are claiming over 20 minutes to schedule some of these appointments. And when they can put the details in their TMS and they can have that appointment within seconds, it's a big win for them. And so those are our customers at the end of the day. Yeah. And by the way, even though they are your customers, the whole supply chain benefits from that work that they're getting done. They're the most, they get maybe Absolutely. the most benefit, but you can't convince me that the guy who gets to go home on time at the dock isn't very happy with cute. <laughs> Absolutely. They're very happy to see that, Hey, this was actually valid. It was a good appointment. They got me in, they got me out. It, it was the right call. It's a big one. I love it. I love it. So final thoughts on TIA Technovations. Yeah, I just, I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to this next year. I know that the technology committee has done a phenomenal job of really focusing and the TIA staff, everyone involved with that, the vendors, the partners, they, they do a phenomenal job of coming and, and representing really well. And I know they've got some new things planned for this next year. And we're going to look forward to being there in the fall. I think in the fall, they're going to be in Orlando. But until then, we'll see you at Capital Ideas in Phoenix. Awesome. Awesome. So, Tom, I like to interview the rock stars of our business, people like you. Who else should I interview? So I would tell you, coming off of that conversation with TIA, I would tell you, you should be talking to Ryan Ziemba of Bridge Logistics All right. and Don Everhart of Freight Vana. 
Those two guys, Brian Zamba stepped up. He is going to take over my spot as the chairman of the TIA Technology Committee. He's been serving as the vice chair with me this last year. And then Don Everhart just stepped up as the vice chair to take Ryan's spot. Those two people that they are, they're super excited about the things that they're going to be able to do. They've been great committee members. And so we're really excited to see how they plug in and and what all they do as the new chair and uh, vice chair of the committee there. Yep. And by the way, I just did an interview with somebody about Reefs Across America, Greg Morin, and I published it. And I start to realize how many people are building their businesses through associations. And by the way, Greg Morin, the Brown Dog Carriers, he works with Reese Across America that puts Reese on grave sites and for veterans. And he said, yeah, you beat everybody in the industry when you work with these organizations. So he didn't start doing that volunteer work to grow his business, but it is one of the things that happens. And so you volunteered with TIA. I'm sure you gained more than you gave. And I I don't say that in a negative way. That's just the nature of being involved with organizations like TIA. The more you give, the more you get. Absolutely. No, you're spot on, Joe. And And I think that's the opportunity to come get engaged. There's opportunities to serve. If they want to learn more, they're glad to reach out to me or anyone else on the TIA. They would, they'd be glad to help point you in the right direction. By the way, I mentioned Ben Gordon. He's been on the podcast a few times. He's very successful, very sharp guy. I forgot the number he said, but when he was at TIA, I heard him speak and he said, I think he said he was there for 20 some years as a member. And I was thinking, okay, Ben's got a lot going on. If he can be a 20 year member there, What's the rest of yours excuse? What's my excuse not to get there, right? And you start to realize that people who are more involved have better businesses. That's just the reality. What's funny, Joe, is before we even had a queued email address, we had a TIA membership. Good for you. And that is the way that we know it is important to be a part of these trade associations and not only just be a part, but be a contributing part. And so it, it does make a huge difference. Awesome. Awesome. So what I'll do, Tom, is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, a link to the queued website and any other links you give me, I'll put those in the show notes. And Tom, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thanks, Joe. It was a great conversation. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.